0: Romans chapter 12, the focus will be on verse 13. I'm going to start actually with verse 9. <clears throat> he says, Let love be genuine. Romans 12:9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, and now the main verse for today, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And there ends the reading of God's infallible and errant word. Now, I've titled this message today, A World Without Kindness. I thought about uh, titling it, A World Without Hospitality, but it occurred to me that, Hospitality is a word that is so seldom used in our culture. I mean, it's used some, but most people would understand kindness quicker than they would understand exactly what is meant by hospitality. I think most of us are familiar with the phrase, entertaining angels unaware, apart from the fact that there was a book written by that title by Dale Evans and Roy Rogers, if any of you remember who they are or were many years ago. It comes from another book in the New Testament that like Romans 12 emphasizes the importance of Christian hospitality. Specifically, Hebrews 12 excuse me Hebrews 13 verse 2, I'll read it. The writer says, "Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware." And as you heard, Paul speaks of this in Romans 12:13. And so we need to think carefully about what he said. But before we do that, in that chapter and that verse, I want to make sure that we understand something very important about this parallel statement in Hebrews chapter 13. Because when he says, show hospitality to strangers, that is not a command. And let me verbally underline the word not a command. Or even an exhortation to invite some stranger into your home with no regard for domestic safety. And I think the following translation of Hebrews 13.2 is far better in terms of what Paul and the others and also the writer of Hebrews is getting at. This is from the God's Word to the Nations translation. And it has it rendered this way. Don't forget to show hospitality to believers You don't know. By doing this, some believers have shown hospitality to angels without being aware of it. Now, that translation tells you more about what the verse means than literally what it says. But that's okay, because the literal meaning has to be understood within a context. And that context is Paul is speaking to believers about believers that they may not know. Paul is certainly not exhorting us. You know, if you see a guy who's just killed 20 people with a sword or a knife and he's heading for you, inviting men in to show him hospitality. I mean, I'm not going to say God would never, ever call anyone to do that, but 99.9% of the time, I can assure you that has nothing to do with what Paul is talking about here. Besides that, we know that this is a better translation, this showing hospitality to believers you don't know because of what the writer in Hebrews said in just the previous verse. He wrote, Christians should love each other as brothers and sisters. So the very first verse of Hebrews 13 definitively targets and limits who it is that are being shown the hospitality. Fellow believers who may not be known to you, who are in need of, say, a place to stay, a place to eat, If they're traveling, for example. But now as we come back to Romans 12, when we consider this text today, we see that Paul places a similar boundary around his exhortation. Look again, Romans 12, 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints, that is, your fellow believers, and seek to show hospitality. Now, since we're talking about translation, I think that this passage in the ESV seek to show is the way it's translated, is a weak translation. Because I think in the word the original wording, it's a more aggressive statement. Other translations, therefore, have it practice hospitality. Or even better, pursue hospitality. Uh, the, the word that is translated this way comes from a term that has to do with chasing down or hunting down a person or a thing. So in my humble opinion, at least, Paul's words here carry more force than just simply a mere suggestion. Oh, if you get around to it, show some hospitality. No, no, no. I think we need to consider that what Paul says here is no different than when he exhorts Christians to hold fast to sound doctrine, as he does, for example, in 1 Timothy 4.16, to preach the word, to be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Those exhortations are also much more than mere suggestions. And so is the requirement to pursue, to practice, hospitality. And so with that background, I'd like for us to consider these five things this morning as we work our way through this verse and this important subject. And first of all is the recognition that there is here a call to all believers to pursue, to practice, to hunt down hospitality. Hospitality. Understand that the world into which Jesus was born, and in which Paul and the early disciples lived and worked, was not a world where kindness and hospitality were commonplace. I didn't say they didn't exist, but they were not commonplace. The ancient world was marked by harsh and brutal living conditions. Now I'm just going to give you a very quick sample of what I'm talking about. This doesn't describe everything in the ancient pagan world, but it'll give you an idea about how different that world was compared to the way our world has been. First of all, most of you are familiar with the gladiatorial combat games in ancient Rome, especially the big ones in the Colosseum. Now, gladiators were slaves or prisoners who were forced to fight in deadly battles for entertainment in ancient Rome, and they were pitted against one another or against wild animals in large arenas like the Colosseum. And the fights were brutal. They generally ended in the dismemberment, if not the outright death, of the participants making it a horrific aspect of Roman society. Ask yourself, what kind of people in a culture find the height of entertainment And seeing people mauled, eaten alive, arms, heads cut off or killed with swords and spears. Those people, say, are your next-door neighbors. What what do you do about that? That is not a world of kindness. But then secondly, slavery was prevalent all over the ancient pagan world, in ancient Egypt, uh, ancient Greece, ancient Rome. And and slaves were considered property and had no rights. And yes, I know our own uh, country, especially here in the former Confederate states, we had our own bout with slavery. And I'm not justifying that in one way or another. But I am suggesting to you that slavery in a pre-Christian pagan world was very, very different. As bad as it was here, it was very, very different in a pre-Christian world where it was far, far worse. Thirdly, many of these ancient pagan cultures practiced human sacrifice. Now, in our part of the world, the Aztecs, in Central and South America, practiced human sacrifice as part of their religious rituals to appease their gods. If you've ever seen the, and I hesitate to recommend it because it's a very brutal, harsh movie, but it it also has its moments, and in portraying exactly what this world was like, the Mel Gibson film, Apocalypto. I'm not going into a lot of detail, you can talk to me after the service, but you get a very graphic the idea of what these ancient Aztec cultures were all about. Captives and prisoners were, were often chosen for these brutal rituals that involved elaborate religious ceremonies, and it culminated in the heart of a victim who'd been spread out on a, a slab of stone, the heart dug out of the person while they were alive and offered to their gods. I'm not trying to be graphic or gratuitous here, but you need to have an idea of what this world was like into which Paul wrote these words. Moving around the, 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 the world, China had its brutal punishments for criminals and disobedient citizens, beheadings, dismemberments, flogging, being thrown into boiling cauldrons of water or oil. There were harsh working conditions, say, in ancient Egypt. Those pyramids and other monuments had to be built by someone, and it involved slave labor, Arduous, difficult, scorching sun labor, workers facing challenging physical tasks, difficult living conditions. If you drop dead on the job, so what? Roll him out of the way and bring another person in. The Mongolian Empire, ruthless conquest of parts of Central and uh, East Asia, entire populations completely massacred and wiped out. And then finally, ancient Carthage, that empire that rivaled Rome at one point. Now, there are historical accounts that the Carthaginians practiced child sacrifice to their gods, offering during often during times of crisis or war. And, and this brutal practice was intended to gain favor with their gods. And we know that the Canaanites did the same thing in biblical times, offering children to Moloch, their pagan god. That is why we have this prohibition in God's law, don't burn your children in the fire. It's a reference to child sacrifice. So... That's just a very, very brief summary of a world short on kindness and hospitality. Such is that world into which the kingdom message was being proclaimed. Friends, as Christians, we are called to open our hearts and our homes to other believers and extend warm welcome to ones who we know well and those maybe not so well. Some of you may have already noticed there's an etymological or word uh, similarity or connection between the term hospitality and the word, say, hospital. And that's no coincidence because they are connected. And in terms of hospitals, although there were places for the sick in the pagan world, what we at least used to think of as a hospital didn't exist anywhere on earth in the pagan world. And I'm saying this in the past tense, what used to be our idea of a hospital, I'm saying that intentionally. And I'm not going to go into the details, but some of you already know, and if you don't, maybe you'll find out, I hope not, but what used to be bona fide, loving hospital care is not around that much anymore, maybe in a few places today. So what used to be our idea of a hospital is directly tied to the impact of the Christian message as it spread throughout Europe. Our 20th century hospital idea developed from the Christian Middle Ages. But hospitals also served different functions from our modern institutions in that they were also almshouses for the poor, hostels for pilgrims. Sometimes they functioned as schools. And our English word hospital, it comes from a Latin term, hospice, signifying a stranger or a guest. And a similar Latin word, hospitium, came to signify hospitality, meaning the relation between the guest and the one providing accommodation or shelter. It signified friendliness and reception. And it was later associated with the guest room, the guest chamber in your home, uh, the lodging of where a guest would stay, or even an inn. And the term hospice is the root for our own English words host, hospitality, and of course hospice. And hotel. So the impact and the importance of what Paul and the other New Testament writers have for us here has been profound. On a personal level, it's through hospitality that we create space where kindness and fellowship can flourish. So this then is the first major point. We are called not only to sound doctrine, but also to practice, to pursue hospitality. Secondly, one aspect of this is the sharing with the saints. Now, that means our known fellow believers. The verse emphasizes the significance of our sharing with our fellow believers concerning their needs. We are part of a larger Christian community of believers and our love for one another. Well, that should be noticeable. It should not be the fifth or sixth thing that people think of when they think about us. When we generously give of our time and resources and talents... We demonstrate the love of Christ in action, strengthening the bond between ourselves and our fellow Christians. But then the third part of this is the blessing of our enemies. Again, we have to parse that word carefully. Romans 12, 13 goes beyond just simply showing love within your immediate Christian circle. It challenges us to bless even those with whom we disagree. Somebody once said that... uh, Tact or discretion is that rare ability to keep silent while two friends of yours are arguing and you know both of them are wrong. Think about that. That that is indeed uh, a gift. (laughs) Indeed involves discretion. By showing kindness and generosity to those who may not agree with us or especially those who won't reciprocate or give back our kindness... We practice and we're demonstrating the way of our Lord Jesus. We are thereby, potentially at least, breaking down walls of hostility and, and fostering understanding between fellow believers. And then fourthly, hospitality should be practiced in everyday life. We should take note of the fact that in this verse, Paul is giving examples to illustrate something that he had already emphasized back up there in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 12. That is, this is what it looks like to love without hypocrisy, to practice genuine Christian love. We are to be those who meet the needs of our fellow Christian brothers and sisters. We are to be known for hospitality. Are we known for that? We may be known for holding the five points of Calvinism. We may may be known for... Our adherence and promotion of the law of God, praise God for these things, but in promoting these things and adhering to these things, that includes promoting and adhering to hospitality, loving without hypocrisy. Hospitality, because of the influence of the biblical message, has long been, and frankly continues to be, in many places, an important virtue in the Middle East even today. It goes back the roots of it are in Older Testament times when the Old Testament church, the Israelites, they were slaves in Egypt. They had no place to call their home. And when God delivered them, they wandered for years in the wilderness longing for a place to stay and to, and to call home. And when the Lord brought them into the promised land, he cautioned them. He warned them, do not forget where you have come from. You are to show hospitality to the stranger in your midst. They were to open their homes and their hearts to those around them. Some of you may remember or have heard me tell the story of how when I went to the Middle East in 2009, a pilgrimage to the Holy Land with 20 other clergy, I was personally fortunate to experience these aspects of the current Middle Eastern uh, hospitality. Uh, The first week that we were in Israel, we stayed on the very banks of the Sea of Galilee in a Christian retreat center there. Um, It it had a nice little cafeteria. It had a a, a check-in desk. It had rooms similar to like what you'd see at a Hampton Inn and a chapel service, at a chapel where you could have services. Now, the staff of this place, now this is in the northern part of Israel. By the way, while I'm on this subject, one thing I learned while I was there is that you have cities and villages in the modern state of Israel that are either predominantly Jewish or predominantly Muslim. There are no villages anywhere in Israel today that are predominantly Christian. You might want to ask yourself why that is. At any rate, the place where I worked, or excuse me, where we stayed, uh, was staffed by Palestinian, that is, Arabic, Christians, and Muslims, most of them young people. There was a young man on the check-in and check-out desk who I got to know fairly well while I was there for the whole week. We had many conversations, and at one point, he frankly startled me, and he was a Muslim, by the way, a, a, a Palestinian Muslim young man, maybe in his 20s. He startled me by saying, you know, I would like for you to come to my house tomorrow for lunch and meet my family. I'm like, uh, I'm thinking to myself, uh, you know, I said, well, where do you live? He says about 30, 45 minutes north of here, very near the city of Nazareth. Um, I can tell you that part of me was very interested in this and part of me was like, you know, I'm going to get in the car with a guy I don't even know and he's a a Muslim uh, and I'm going to go somewhere where I've never been before in a foreign country. Should I really do that? I checked with a few people in my group, and they said, you know, hey, you won't ever have an opportunity like that again, which I realized, so I did. The next day, I rode with this young man to his home, a predominantly Muslim village in the northern part of that region, and I was amazed. I was treated like I was a visiting dignitary by this man and his family. They gave me, and uh, him and I, a great meal together. I met his family I met several people in this predominantly Muslim village who treated me with great kindness and respect. That is an example of what this is to look like. You're saying Muslims are better? I'm simply saying that people who take the Older Testament and the New Testament seriously, and by the way, many Muslims do. I mean, the roots of that religion are in the religion of Abraham, whom they call their father, just like Jews and Christians do, however mistaken they may or may not be but the roots go to the same place. But I want you to understand, as remarkable as it was, and I hope I've conveyed that to you, we need to understand that what Paul is telling us here is that hospitality is not limited to grand occasions or grand gestures or special occasions. Romans 12, 13 encourages us to make hospitality a part of our everyday lives. And whether it's inviting someone for a meal or To your house or going out somewhere offering a a listening ear or providing practical support. The fact is, we have countless opportunities to practice hospitality in our daily interactions. And that leads me then to the fifth and final point. When we do these things, we are reflecting God's generosity. We reflect God's generosity. Let me ask you a personal question. Have you ever been a stranger to someone or in some place, somewhere? Some of us may have to think back a long way to consider that question. You know, you're, you're the new kid in school or uh, you're that new family at church. You're the new kid on the block in the neighborhood. You just moved there, that sort of thing. If you have ever been a stranger, a newcomer, then you know how great it feels to encounter any show of hospitality, no matter how small. Jesus said, as recorded in Matthew 10 42, whoever gives any of my humble followers a cup of cold water, that person is my disciple, and they will not lose their reward. Now, this is another one of these translations that highlights more clearly what the text, the way it was originally translated. He's not talking about an absolute stranger. That's why it translates it this way. Whoever gives any of my humble followers a cup of cold water, because that person is my disciple, they will not lose their reward. At the core of Romans twelve thirteen is the reminder that God's love and generosity are the ultimate source of our hospitality. And friends, as recipients of God's abundant grace, we are called to reflect his character by being generous and hospitable to our fellow believers and when we do so we reflect God's love for his people and for his creation we thereby become the conduits of his compassion in this world friends Romans 12:13 challenges us to embrace the call to hospitality and to do it gladly and joyfully through our actions we reveal Christ's care and concern for his people and we also nurture within the body of believers unity, oneness, and we extend kindness even to those who may not be responding to it in the way we think they ought. You know, our <clears throat> now formally Christian society here is fast becoming in various ways a world without biblical charity and kindness. So let us commit ourselves to living out Romans twelve thirteen. And let us be as strident in showing hospitality to our fellow believers as we are strident in holding to correct theology and doctrine. Because, my friends, according to God's word, they cannot be separated. Let us pray.